Well, it's great to be back with you. Uh, a few of us were down at the Shepherds Conference. Was, we had a great time of fellowship and hearing God's Word. It's always intimidating preaching after the Shepherds Conference because you realize how great these preachers are and how inadequate you can be. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're glad to be back. Uh, thank you for praying for us, for safe travels. Um, if you have your Bibles, please open up to Jude, verse 17 to 25. It's going to be the text that we are going to cover. We want to finish this book, and it's been encouragement and convict and convicting time as I was studying through this entire book. I trust is the same for you. Uh, Jude, verse 17 to 25. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, and the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause division, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercies with fear, hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Lord, we ask you as we come before your word again to cause our hearts to know you more and to love you more because of it. Make your words clear to us uh, in our own hearts so that we're able to live in a way that's pleasing to you. Be with us this morning. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Occasionally, I like to kind of speak from the heart and just to share with you what's going on in my own life and things I've been thinking about. I often call these little moments family time because we're a family of God and you guys are, we're all part of one church family. And last week before my wife, or before I went down to Shepherd's Conference, my wife and I were just driving around and we were just thankful for this church. Uh, we were just talking about all of the things that the Lord is doing in our lives and, and, all the, and also working through the people that we're ministering to. And it, it warms our heart to see how the Lord is using us and the fact that we get to be in this church, to be able to serve alongside you and with you. It's, it, it, we're tremendously grateful to the Lord for this opportunity to be in this church. We have seen this church come together during times where it was difficult and even some of the darkest times, and we, it was just such a joy to see how you guys are ministering to one another. And as one of the pastors here, I'll say, excel still more. It was also encouraging, just being part of the church the last eight months or so, we got to see the church grow. 
Even in the last eight months, we, saw, we just see the numbers growing, and, and not only that, but we see people growing spiritually. And these things are great because it shows that the Lord's working through us. This means that as the church is growing, we have in the present time and even in the future, there will be more opportunities to care and to serve one another. And it's exciting to see how the Lord's going to use us for his kingdom. As we continue to grow, I want to remind all of us that we love ministry and we love to do ministry, but ministry is difficult. Ministry is hard. Life is filled with complications that require all of us to humble ourselves and seek God by looking to his word. Being ministry is joyful, but it is not easy. There are and will be moments where we have to have those hard and difficult talks when we confront sin in the life of our brothers and sisters. There will be moments where we have to pray for the right word to say to those who are suffering. And there are and will be people who are discouraged. And we need to gently care for those who need encouragement. Whatever the Lord equipped you with, wherever the Lord has placed you, wherever the Lord gifted you in, in ministry, whatever he placed you, we, there is a reality that ministry is not easy. By the way, a reminder, the theme of this book in the book of Jude is about how Christians need to contend earnestly for the faith. Jude begins by reminding of our place before God. He starts with this book by reminding us of our salvation. Verse 1 and 2, we are called, we are loved, and we are kept by God. That because of God's goodness and his love, we, are, we can stand eternally right with him. And we'll be with him forever. That God keeps us for all of eternity. Jude reminds us of who we are as we encounter false teachers. That these false teachers will try to sway you with their different doctrines and pull you away but you reminds us of who we have in the Lord and who we are before the Lord as well. Jude then warns and tells believers to contend earnestly for the faith. Verse 3 and 4, we need to agonize over the truth which, against the false teacher. We are given God's word and we need to use it to contend for truth. These are the false teachers that try to abuse the grace of God and bring people into denying that Jesus is our only Lord and Master. Jude then warns about those who leave the faith in verse 5 to 7 about the apostasy. People who decide to, to, to leave God's word, to abandon what he has stated in his word. Jude cautions those who want to walk away to consider the destruction that is to come. And he pleads with them to not deny Jesus, to not walk away. Verse 8 to 13, we saw that Jude gave us a picture of these false teachers. These false teachers are carnal, they're rebellious, and they're self-centered. And they have no regard for anyone but themselves. And last week, we learned about how we can be a faithful evangelist by looking at a life of Enoch. We saw the life, the message, and the sinners that all Christians need to encounter. And we need to be faithful in walking with the Lord so that we can be a faithful light to those that are in the world. And this portion, this last portion of this text, Jude wants to remind us of certain truths about ministry. Jude knows that contending for the faith is going to be difficult. And Jude wants to remind us one last time about ministry. And it's a review, really, of our job description. There are truths about ministry that we must remember so that we can contend for the faith, so that we can continue on all the ministry that we're part of. As Jude closes this letter, these are, there are four truths that we need to remember. 
And of these four truths, three of them are ministering to other people, and one of them is God ministering to us. The four truths about ministry. If we want to finish the race well, if we want to be before our God, and he tells us, well done, our faithful servant, we must remember these four aspects of ministry. Yeah, the first three are towards other people, and the last point is ministry to ourselves. So the first one is ministry to sinners. Verse 17 to 19. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that in verse 17, he writes, but you. He's making this contrast against those false teachers that were mentioned in verse 16. These false teachers in verse 16 were grumblers. They were finding fault. They were following after their own lust. They speak arrogantly and they flatter people. These are the false teachers. And he's making this contrast between them and us between those that are against God and those that are for God. These false teachers are fault finders. They're grumblers. They do all of these things because they care about themselves, and they want to distract people from the Lord and sway people away from the gospel. And Jude is contrasting them by reminding us that we are the beloved. Jude is speaking here of you, and he's speaking of me. And after, after spending so many verses warning the church, he now speaks directly to the church. He's speaking directly to those who are believers. He calls them beloved and commands them to remember. But what are they to remember? Notice the text. Remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of the apostles taught, all the things that they've taught are from God, and this will reveal more about him. Scripture is from God. Everything that is written in the scriptures is for us so, so that we can know who he is. All that we need to be in order to be a living sacrifice is found in scripture. Jude affirms the authority of the apostles. Those apostles were appointed by God to instruct the church. All that they were taught and all things that they've read from the apostles are God's instruction and his instruction for us as well. Notice as beforehand, these are things that were spoken before. They were not added to, and there's not looking forward to any new revelation from anyone except for the apostles. And we must study and know doctrine from the scriptures. And the only way any of us can minister is if we use God's word, is if we know God's word and we use it to minister to those around us. Verse, look at verse 18. That they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. The apostles have warned them before that at some point in the future that there will be false teachers that are going to mock you and, and there are going to be people that are following after their own lust. These false teachers wanted to go into the church to ruin the church. Due to saying that there will, be, there will always be people coming in, trying to enter in to draw people out of the kingdom of God. These are mockers. They insult the things of God. Anything pertaining to God, they reject. And they insult God and everyone that follows him. Not only do these people insult God, but they seek to follow their own lust. They're defined by their, by their, their selfish desires. They distort and rebel against holiness so they can have their own desires met. Look at verse 19. These are the ones who cause division, worldly-minded, devoid of the spirits. This word 
division here is this idea of just drawing a sand in the line. He's to try to separate people from the church by, by their destructive doctrines. They're drawing people to themselves by drawing a line in the church. And they're devoid of the Spirit. These people not only cause division, but they're devoid of the Spirit. There's no surprise. These people are not Christians. They're not following God. They're not led by the Spirit, not doing the will of the Lord. Their desires, although they claim to be from God, are the farthest thing from God. Their doctrine is is derived from their own depravity. These characteristics are the kinds of people that we'll be ministering to. These people that are going to come and they're going to be mockers. And we minister to these people that despise God. These people will twist and distort God's word. Yet at the same time, no matter how bad these false teachers are, they still need the gospel. Christ came to rescue all kinds of sinners. And we must be willing to love on them by witnessing to them, by not compromising. These people hate us because they hate God, but yet God commands us to love them. Let us out-love those who hate God. So even for a moment, they, are, they can experience the closest thing to the love of God before they endure God's wrath for all of eternity. We get a privilege as ambassadors of Christ to call lost souls to repentance. May we never forget our mission here as Christians. If God receives tremendous amount of glory when he sees a sinner comes to saving knowledge, Imagine how much glory he will receive when a false teacher repents. This is why God has so much glory is when Paul was saved. If, remember, Paul was a false teacher. He killed Christians. He was, he was systematically trying to remove Christianity off the face of the earth. But yet when God saved him, he got, he, God received the highest glory because he saved someone that hated him. And, he, and if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament. We were able to know God more because God saved Paul. If we want to finish the race well, we must remember that we are ministering to those who hate God. We're ministering to sinners. But not only that, but we, if we want to finish the race well, we must remember to minister to self. Our second point, we must remember to minister to self. Notice in verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirits. Notice this, but you, again, he's making this contrast to the sinners in the last verse. Jude draws this dividing line between believers and non-believers. Those, he's drawing, he's drawing a line between those who are devoid of the spirit and living in the flesh. He's, he's contrasting those who are heavenly minded and filled with the spirit. Jude again calls them beloved I like the NIV translation of the word. It's the word dear friends. It's a title of endearment. Jude knows the struggle of ministry and the difficult road that's ahead. And Jude tells them to build yourselves up. This is an imperative. Jude is not saying that we need to build ourselves up in terms of making ourselves feel good about ourselves, but we build each other to be more like Christ. And this place, this word self here, what I'm trying to get at, it's not just individual, although that's true. You need to saturate your mind with God's word. You need to know it and then walk in a manner that's worthy of God's word. But Jude means also building up one another in the church. It's a great imagery using the word building up. It's piece by piece, brick by brick, slowly building up one another so that we can glorify God. This word building up, it means to edify. It means to strengthen each other. Romans 14, 19. 
Paul writes, so then pursue the things which make for peace and building up of one another. Ephesians 4, 11, 13. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another. The church is to continue to build themselves up to the most holy faith. Again, it's not about self-esteem. It's not about making yourself feel good about yourself. We're building each other up to be more like Christ. And it takes time and diligence to build each other up. Everything we do in ministry in the church is with believers and for believers. Christians should always be an active member in building one another up. There should always be someone that you're caring for and someone caring for you. There should always be someone that you're praying for and someone praying for you. That the church is, is made up of active Christians that are serving one another and building each other up. There must be an active involvement in the life of all Christians. In the Bay Area, we have a whole bunch of sport teams. In the East Bay, we have the, we have the A's, the Raiders, and the Golden State Warriors, and all the other teams that's in the Bay Area. I'm from the East Bay, so I'm representing East Bay here. <laughs> But you know these, these sporting events, there's people that go and they watch, they talk about it, and then they even criticize the teams they're playing, uh, and then they eventually talk about it again, they review it, and then they forget about it, right? These people go, they watch the game, they say, oh, I wish that person passed the ball in the first quarter, or that person made the touchdown that other quarter. You know, people just talk about it, they critique. Some people are when, they, when it comes to the church. That's how they view the church. They come to the church, they watch and they listen, then they critique it, and then they talk about it a little bit, and then they leave. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's a race that all of us are engaged in together. We help each other keep up with the pace. We run together. We make sure that all of us on, are on the right path, and we're making strides together. All the things that you learn from church is to equip you to build you up and to build one another up. Everyone in the church should be working towards working for one another. And the only way we can do this is if we ask God to help us through prayer. Notice, praying in the Spirit is you're constantly praying. This doesn't talk about speaking in tongues. Rather, the Holy Spirit is working through us to pray rightly. The Spirit gives us the desires to seek fulfilling God's will, and the Spirit also gives us the ability to fulfill God's will. The Spirit will give us grace and power to sustain us in ministry during those tough times. No one can do anything outside of Christ. And we must always be praying and relying on the Spirit to guide us. Notice, keep yourselves in the love of God. This is a command to keep ourselves always thinking and dwelling in the love of God. Jude reminds the church to ground yourself in God's love. Christ is the solid rock by which we build our lives on. Christ is the chief cornerstone that the entire church is built in relative to. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God. And when we, if we stray, if we, if we stray in the realm of God's love, if we stay in the realm of God's love, when we hide our hearts in God's heart for us, we will be effective in all of our ministry. God keeps us, and we too are to keep ourselves in God's love. It's like if you have a child, and you see a child 
or if you, if you see, if you just go downstairs, you see a lot of kids, especially when they're with their parents. You see a kid, uh, some of them will go on their feet of their parents and then they'll walk you know, with, their, with their hands uh, being held by their parents. And you ask, who's doing the walking? Is it the child or the parents? Well, it's both. Right? The child is trying to move and the, the parents moving along with them. That's how our walk with the Lord is as well. We walk, we work in our salvation, but the Lord also gives us the ability to, to do so. When we go through difficulty, it's easy to just wonder why we do ministry, the, the why we even do ministry at all. We forget the ministry of Christ on earth. Jesus came to serve. Out of the infinite love that he has, he served everyone on earth. Our Savior paved the way for us on how to selflessly and sacrificially love others. But not only that his love is a reminder of service, but it is also a reminder of the great love that he has towards us. All that Christ has done for us is out of love, and that's what glorifies the Father. The love of God is what fuels our Christian ministry. And we, we need to remember and remind ourselves of God's love so that we do not burn out in ministry. Notice that Jude also tells us that we can minister to ourselves by looking towards the eternity with God. No, it's waiting anxiously for the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Jude is reminding them of the future glory, the eternal life that we have. He's, this is to give us an eternal perspective in ministry. This is a godly anxiousness, a godly anticipation to be with our Savior. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but do you realize that the ministry that we have here has an end? Like, it doesn't last forever, and that's a good thing. Those who suffer will no longer need people to, be, to minister to them because in heaven there's no more suffering. People that we're trying to keep accountable for when they're struggling with sin, we don't need to do those things anymore because in heaven there will be a place where there is no more sin. All ministry is preparation for us in heaven. And we need to keep our eyes looking forward to heaven. Heaven and eternity puts everything in this life in perspective. It puts all of ministry in perspective. If we were to suffer in ministry, it is only for a short while. So we need to go all out in serving God with the short life that we have on this earth. If we want to minister to one another, we must build each other up. Life is hard, and ministry is difficult, but it is worth it. And Jude reminds us of the great anticipation that we have in heaven. The ministry that we have now, we should not lose heart because we know one day that there will be an end to that ministry. And that is a good thing, to no longer have to, to, no longer have to watch those that are suffering because those things will end. The effects of sin will be removed. Not only do we need to minister to sinners and to minister to self, but we want to if we want to finish the race well, we must also minister to the skeptics. Our third point, we're ministering to skeptics, verse 22 to 23. And have mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. You'll notice in these two verses, there are these three different categories of skeptics. There's some that are that we have to show mercy on. They're doubting. There's some that we need to snatch out of the fire, and there's some that we need to be mindful for. We need to show mercy with fear. There's these three different types of categories of skeptics in the church. In context, these are the kinds of people 
the first one, this, this, first, this first category of doubting, that these are the kind of people that, that are brought into the church and they, they're uncertain of, of the gospel. These are those that have heard of it and they're still wrestling through it. They don't know if it's absolutely true, but they're curious. Jude instructs that those people that are certain and are not doubting in the church to show mercy on those who are uncertain and those who are doubting, that we need to be merciful to the doubters. The doubters are people who haven't fully landed on what they've heard about Scripture. And the false teachers here, some of them are probably telling them, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, the Christianity is not like that. And they're trying to distort Scripture. And they don't know. They're struggling between what they've heard that's true and the lies that the false teachers profess. And in both cases, Jude instructs the believing church to be merciful to them. There are those in the church that are here who are doubting Christianity. They're not sure whether or not to receive Christ or not. They're open to learn and even possibly open to accepting Christ, but they're struggling. And it takes a tremendous amount of time, care, and mercy to minister to these type of people. And we must be merciful and respond to the doubters tenderly and filled with grace. We must be willing to walk with them and help those who are doubting. These people need help, so help them. Notice also verse 23, saving others, snatching them out of the fire. There are people in the church that are spiritually dead. Then they probably like the church. They even attend regularly, but they deny, and they deny Christ as Savior. These people are spiritually dead, but they're physically present. And Jude insists that for those people that are spiritually dead, they need to be rescued. In this category, these are people who, who, who reject the gospel, even when you share the gospel with them once, they reject it, but they're still here. They probably like the, the love that Christians have toward one another, and they want to be a part of that, but they do not accept Christ. And we need to love on them as well. We need to faithfully share and witness to them, because that's the most loving thing that we can do. These people, the Lord has brought into the church, and they need to be rescued. And there are some in the church who rejects God, for some, and for, for some reason, are still here. And it is an opportunity for us to be able to evangelize to them. The Lord sometimes draws those on the outside into the church so that we can u- be used by God to bring them into heaven. And we must be mindful and willing to share the gospel with those who do not know him. We want to rescue these from the fire. And notice this last category. And on some have mercy with fear, even hating the garments polluted by the flesh. Jude instructs the church to even show mercy to the false teachers that are corrupting God's word. These false teachers need the gospel as well. But notice, though, it's with fear that there's a warning to this. We must warn them, but be very careful when we confront these false teachers because they can pollute Christians. Notice the phrase, garment polluted by the flesh. This word literally means it's underwear that's that's dirty and polluted because of some bodily discharge. It's It's supposed to provoke you into disgust. This is the type of image that's supposed to evoke a sense of grossness that comes with false teachers. He's identifying false teachers with a dirty garment. Now, if I was to ask you, if there was a dirty garment in your home, just lying on the ground, what would you do? Would you just stare at it? 
Or would you go and embrace it and hold on to it tightly? No, you would not do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Because it corrupts things that are around and it could corrupt you. It can make things around you dirty and it can make you dirty. What about false teachers? False teachers are the same way. You're, you need to be close enough to remove them, but not so close to be corrupted by them. We need to be very cautious. When these false teachers come, we show them mercy, but we need to be, we need to be very cautious because we may be swayed by their teaching. All three of these types are in the church. These are doubters, they're unbelievers under false teachers. And depending on the, on the person, the type of person, we need to respond appropriately. For those who are doubting, they need help. For those who don't believe, they need rescuing. And those who are false teachers, they need to be stopped. I've heard it described this way. Imagine yourself as a lifeguard. If you're in lifeguard, you use a sunny day, lifeguard, people swimming. And then you see, you see one person just struggling. Maybe they went to deep end of the pool and they were not ready. So they're like flailing their arms and crying out for help. So what do you do as a lifeguard? You just throw that little orange thing at them. Right? So, oh, he's not drowning. You just here, take this. Just grab onto that and I'll help you. Well, that's like the people that are doubting in the church. They're, they're doubting and they just need help. And you want to come alongside them and help them. But the unbelievers are like the, if you're a lifeguard and you see someone just floating not moving. They're the ones that you need to jump into the water, pull them out, and give them CPR because they're dying and you need to rescue them. The false teachers are like the ones in the pool that are trying to drown people. And you need to jump into the pool to stop them from drowning other people. And again, you can see the severity, right? Like the, the ones that are just flailing, you want to help them. The ones that are in doubt, the people that are just floating or dead, you need to rescue them. And those who are false teachers need to stop them. You need God's grace to discern how to handle each of these situations. And depending on the person and the situation, you need to respond appropriately. Again, if they are doubting, help them. If they don't believe, rescue them. And if they're false teachers, stop them. But all three of them require mercy. There must be an urgency in all three of these. But we must always be merciful. In the church, we minister to sinners, self, and skeptics. And if we want to finish the race well, we must also remember that we ourselves are being ministered to by our Savior. Not only that, not only that but Jude reminds us that in light of everything and every kind of ministry, that we're being ministered by our own Savior, which gets to our last point, ministered by our Savior, verse 24 and 25. Verse 24. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. Jude closes this letter with a doxology. This doxology reminds us that we are being ministered to by God. When we look to God, God ministers to us, and he will keep us from stumbling and will make us blameless before him in glory. The end game of all Christians is to be with God. Our finale of our life is the beginning of eternal life with him. Notice that God... It writes, not to him, now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling. God is able to keep everyone from leaving the faith. God not only keeps you from falling into sin, but he keeps you from leaving the faith. There's assurance that you will not be forgotten. God will hold you fast. First Peter 1, verse 3 to 5, reads this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who according to his great mercy have caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter here talks about that our salvation is secure, that it is in heaven, it is protected in heaven. The assurance of believers that Peter describes is for all of us, and that our security is is secure in heaven. Heaven is a place and a reward that can never be taken away from us. We have absolute assurance from God that he's protecting our future inheritance, no matter how hard ministry in this life is, that our reward will never be taken away. Life as a Christian may mean that you lose your family. It may mean you lose your friends. It may mean you lose your fortune. It may, and for some, it may mean you lose your freedom. But no matter what you lose in this life, you cannot lose your salvation. If you're a child of God, you will never stop being a child of God. Jude ends the same way that he began by reminding them of the faith that is kept, reminding them of the faith that is kept in God for Christ. John 17, the, the high priestly prayer. God, Christ prays that we will be with him the way that he is with the Father, that we will be united with him. And not only will Jesus keep us close, but he will present us to God. Notice, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory and blameless with joy. Jude is reminding the church of future glory in heaven. Christ will guide our life, but not only that, but he will present us perfect in glory. He'll make us stand before God perfect. We'll be blameless before him. We'll be presented as perfect before our God one day. And we'll be blameless and without any blemish. There's no more accusation, no more effect of sin. The righteousness of God is given to us so we can enter into heaven. It will have this future free from sin. We will be made perfect. What a glorious day that that future will be for all of us here. This is how we are ministered by our Savior, that we remember where we're headed. Remember that Christ is currently working in your life, and he will continue to work in your life until the very end. We're currently legally free from the consequences of sin, but we, are not, but we have not fully experienced salvation until we see him, until we enter into his kingdom. We will always be wrestling with sin, and we won't experience the fullness of salvation until we are with him. Notice this with great joy. And when we are glorified, we'll find that it will, be, it will bring us great joy. We'll have great joy to, because we, we, lo- we have great joy to lose everything in this world to gain heaven. This is the paradox of the Christian life. We lose all that we have in this world, and we gain the God that made this world. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. We have great joy knowing that we've given everything up for Christ. We're finally free from sin, and we're able to experience true freedom. Look at verse 25. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Jude ends this book and this doxology by reminding the sweetness from our only Savior, Jesus Christ, that if you are in him, that you are saved. There's no other way that you could get into heaven outside of Jesus Christ. Because he writes, be glory. We will see the full glory of our Savior, the beauty of all beauties. We can fully enjoy God and commune with him. And we can be with the glorious God. We can, we, when we study scripture, we only get glimmers of it because of our own depravity. We don't fully understand his attributes. But when we are in heaven, we will experience every one of his attributes to its fullest. We will know his kindness to its fullest. We will know his sovereignty to its fullest. We will know his love to its fullest. All the attributes that we study in God's word will be fully realized when we see him and we were with him in glory. Notice he put the Jude writes with majesty. We will see him and we will give him the highest praise. We will be worshiping. We will adore him. We will praise him. And we will honor him perfectly the way that he deserves. Notice he just, Jude continues with describing his dominion and power. Jude highlights God's absolute control over all things. All matters and all matters of history are under God's control. And because of that, we worship him. We praise him. God is in those at the end, before all time and now and forever. God has absolute control over every aspect of history. All that God is will continue to be until eternity. There is no end to who he is. Jude ends this book by making us look to the king that we worship. God ministers to us by giving us his word so that we can anticipate heaven. We can look toward to eternity. God ministers through his word, and we need to study it and be, conf- and be comforted by his word. God gives us understanding, and he gives us uh, the ability to know his word, and we need to know him more, knowing that there is an end to this life and that eternity in heaven awaits us should cause us to minister to everyone in this world, no matter whether they're skeptics or to the people in the church or sinners. We have an end to our ministry because we, it's, it's because we have heaven. Ministry is hard, but when we know that one day our labors in this life will have a definitive end, we will push harder in this life. We will evangelize with zeal. We will confront sin because we love those that are, that are in sin and we want them to repent We'll keep, we will strive to live a holy life. And, all, even though, and although these things are difficult, there is an end to it. We can find rest one day. We serve those who are in sin. We help those that are skeptical. And we minister to those that are in the church. And yes, it is tiring. But there will be rest one day. He reminds the church then and for us today that no matter how hard ministry is no matter how hard it is when we confront these coming false teachers no matter how hard it is to to persuade people from leaving the faith no matter how difficult ministry is or whatever type of ministry we're doing that there is an end to it and may we continue to serve and minister to one another knowing that we are ministered by god and although ministry seems like an eternity where you're counseling people and they're just not repenting and when there are people in the church that are difficult to deal with, and you still have to minister to them, 
know that there is an end to all of those type of difficulties. You may lose a tremendous amount of sleep because of ministry, but you'll find everlasting rest one day. But until then, may we strive to live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord so that when one day when we see him, he'll look at us and say, well done, my faithful servant. Enter into your eternal rest. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that you've given us this privilege to study this entire book. Lord, we ask you to remind us of the truth that are in Scripture. Remind us that we are called, that we are kept, and we're loved by you. Draw us to the reality of our perfect standing before you because of how loving of a God you are. Remind us also to contend earnestly for the faith that we strive to defend your truth because your truth is the thing that will set people free. Lord, I pray that you can keep us from falling away. Allow us to even minister to those who think about walking away to give us courage and love to minister to them. Lord, we want to be people that are submissive wholeheartedly to your word and we will be faithful evangelists in the world that hates you. Lord, in light of all the different and difficult ministries that we may have to endure, we know that one day that we can be with you and that we have a true and lasting rest. And may we be good stewards with the ministry and the gifts that you've given us today so that people can know you and love you. Be with us this week. In your son's precious name, amen.